Hey everyone, welcome back to But Why the Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the things in pop culture that people say matter, and we ask the question, but why though? I just wanted to let you know that if you want more content, we do have extra stuff on Patreon. So head on over to patreon.com slash butwhythoughpc. Today marks our 45th episode, and for our 50th, we're planning on doing a very special episode where you, the listener, gets to ask us, anything. So send in your questions, send them to our email, info at butwhythoughpodcast.com. You can send them to us on Twitter at butwhythoughpc, as well as our Facebook page, facebook.com slash butwhythoughpc. And for every question that's submitted, your name will be going into a random drawing to win a free little gift box with some goodies inside it, a t-shirt, and uh, some other things that I have in mind. We will be answering 10 each and then 10 as a group. So make them great. Send them our way. And uh, guys, have any requests? Do not send Kate 50 questions and send us nothing. Or I'm not going to show up. (laughs) 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 Well, I can, like, replace your name. Like, put put your name in my name. I'm going to put a cardboard figure of myself there for that episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. No, I don't have any. Just send us good ones. We'll talk about it. This week, we're continuing the Star Wars theme by talking about the prequel trilogy. That means episode one, episode two, episode three. As always, I'm your host, Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. That was weird. (laughs) That was weird. Why did you say my name like that? I don't know. I think I yelled into the mic. Anyway, and for this episode, the Jedi and or Sith Master, who will be leading it, will be Adrian. So, Adrian, do you want to take us in? Yeah. Uh, just a caveat uh, disclaimer. I don't know the word. Um, I'm sick again today. So if I sound like Darth Sidious from Revenge of the Sith after Mace Windu lightnings him up, that's why. But I'm excited. I watched all three movies today um, for the prequel trilogy, so I'm hype, and we're going to get through it. Uh, as we always do, we're going to start off with a quick intro question. Uh, just because the prequels are so, you know... Divisive? Divisive. And <laughs> some people love them. Um, most people hate them. We're just going to get it all off on the record right before we start. So my question for you guys is, do you like the prequels? Uh, we'll go with Matt first. One, I think this is more of a fan base problem than an actual movie problem. As far as decisiveness. <clears throat> but as far as the prequels go... Uh, I really do not like the Phantom Mentis, but the other two, I don't mind. Yeah, I think going off of that, I struggle rewatching the Phantom Menace because there are times where I go through and watch everything. Um, I was a very strong prequel hater, like extremely strong. I believe some of the first conversations that I had with you, Adrian, were talking about these things. Yep. <laughs> and strongly disagreeing about them. But I will say I've kind of come to appreciate them for what they do. And I've kind of learned to look past, look past the, 
look past the writing in some parts and actually look at the story that's being told overall. So I, I kind of have a better appreciation for them. I don't like the Phantom Menace, and uh, yeah, I yeah, I don't have an I don't have a supreme hate anymore, except for the Phantom Menace. Actually, I hate Kid Anakin so much. Oh, good. Uh, for me, <laughs> um, I just don't not like the prequels. Like I'm, I've never been a hater of them like at all. Um, as I've gotten older, I think I've seen the problems. Like, I understand why people do, do not like them. I don't understand why it gets hate. I think hate is, like, like reserve that for Batman v Superman, Martha scene. Like, reserve, that's that's hate for me. Um, I like I like them. Um, I like them some more than others. Like, I prefer to watch Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith over... Uh, the Phantom Menace, but I won't not watch The Phantom Menace when I do my my watch, my rewatches every year. Um, I mean, I even like Revenge of the Sith more than I like Return of the Jedi, to be for being completely honest. Uh, especially after I just watched it right now, like it's that movie deserves way more credit than than it gets for its storytelling, and there's no Ewoks in it, so that's a big plus for me. Don't be hating uh, on Ewoks. Oh, I hate Ewoks. Like, I don't hate Ewoks. I just dislike the choice of Ewoks. Yep, no. Compared to other stuff um just because star wars is just so widely popular and i feel like our fans who are listening to this episode more or less know the history or like you know the timeline of the creation of the movies that they love we're not going to go too too in depth in like the production history of it just because we'll be here forever because it's like years of george lucas hating star wars and then you know him offering it to Spielberg, and Spielberg being like, "No," and it's just a whole a whole mess. So we're going to keep it very brief and just kind of go over um, what kind of led to the, the prequel prequels being made, and then we'll just jump right into the but why those. Cause I think that's why people are here to listen um, to know why we hate or love certain aspects of this prequel trilogy. Um, so in the 1980s, George Lucas actually had no desire to complete his sixth movie vision that he had when he first made um, the original trilogy. Uh, he even canceled it and was just completely done with it. But thanks to the early 90s, and we've talked about this in our um, Star Wars books episode, they the Star Wars universe fandom basically kind of resurged the popularity of Star Wars with the expanded universe. So the comic books, the Thrawn trilogy, things like that. So we see a huge popularity um, brought back to Star Wars in the early 90s. And because of this, Lucas saw that there was still a large audience for his idea for a prequel trilogy. And with the development of special effects that were going on in the early 90s, he saw an opportunity to kind of bring back his vision that Is he had for the six or them dollar signs? Probably both. I mean, he thought he was, he was... He had six movies in his head when he made the first movie. And the really, to be honest, like, Star Wars wasn't a success until the second movie anyway, so I think it's a little bit both. I mean, this isn't, you know, Rogue Run money money grab for, for Matt. <laughs> no, but the way you explained it, I was like, oh, this totally sounds like a money grab. Like, I hated this thing forever, and then it became popular, and now let's, eh, let's start making some movies again. I don't know if he hated it. I think he was just, like, over, like, just the... Because he was, like, young when he, he made Star Wars. He was worn out on it, because it's kind of yeah. like pigeonholing you. I, I would think, like, if you're a creator... Yeah. Like, you may have created one of the best and, and one of the most well-known and most loved, like, sci-fi franchises, but that kind of makes it so that's all you can do. 
Yeah, like, and he did it at such a young age. Like, I mean, young age relatively in terms of like directing that he was probably just overwhelmed with all the popularity. Um, despite the dollar signs, like if it was a dollar yeah. sign thing, so he would have just probably just went right into making the three movies right away. In in my head, um, but anyway, he decides to do it and he starts writing the the new trilogy um, in '94. And you know, much of what we talked about before, he, he took the screenplay um, that he basically made in 1976, which kind of had a um, just a very like brief main story back like um, main points to this new trilogy so it wasn't totally fleshed out i think it was it was only like a 15 page outline of the entire story so he kind of started writing it just from the main points that he had back in the 70s so with the with obviously a bigger budget with star wars being more popular and the advances in digital effects lucas was wanted to make a more grander on a more epic scale star wars um which is what he always wanted star wars to be but you know back in the 70s and being a new franchise he just didn't have um all of the resources to make the movie like if you go back and look at any of the special edition stuff or like any of the behind the scenes stuff for the original trilogy like that movie almost didn't like those movies almost didn't get made because he almost ran out of money so with yeah. this new budget he was able to kind of do a lot more with it um and that's good and bad because he puts a lot into that first movie the phantom menace uh, basically had five story ongoing points, uh, ongoing plots in that movie. So the big like main themes in this movie is um, Palpatine's, you know, starting his plan to become Chancellor. Um, this federate Trade Federation's attack on Naboo, which puts in political uh, maneuvering, and then you have the Jedi getting involved in you know this dispute, which doesn't happen, which kind of sets up things for the Clone Wars. And then you have Anakin uh, starting his journey to become a Jedi, and then the fall, and then you have the rise of the Sith Lords. Kind of like all in that first movie, which when you write it out like that, that's that's kind of a that's a cluster of yeah, uh, it's a, a lot, lot of things. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Um, and having just rewatched them today, uh, it's that first movie is kind of hard to get through, just because not because like things are bad in it necessarily. It's just there's just way too much in it. And it just takes away from the other things in the movie. So there's a lot of bouncing around. Um, and because of all of this, really, to be honest, uh, The Phantom Menace gets a mixed mixed critical response from fans and from critics alike. Um, and it really like was so bad that Lucas almost didn't come back to write the second, uh, the second movie, Attack of the Clones. Uh, and that kind of leads to some of the problems in Attack of the Clones, to be honest, because just three months before principal photography lucas completed his rough draft of episode two uh and then continued to work on that rough draft and then like during that time period so he's kind of like rushing out a script and a draft of the movie like while some of like the things that should be already done like photography is going on but he's still working on the, the script for the movie which doesn't lead to good things yeah um so because of this, again, we kind of get like a very mixed response as well for the Attack of the Clones. I think Attack of the Clones does uh, does substantially worse than the Phantom Menace. Uh, I imagine a lot of this is because people weren't happy with the first movie and because um, it just wasn't didn't have like that rewatchability where people are going back to see it multiple times over and over again. Uh, this is all kind of like anecdotal experience because I didn't see the Phantom Menace in theaters. 
I saw Attack of the Clones in theaters, and I saw Revenge of the Sith in theaters. Um, so I don't remember the, you know, I can't speak to the response directly from the Phantom Menace, but obviously it was bad enough where, uh, you know, Attack of the Clones made like $400 million less or so than, yeah. a, than the Phantom Menace. Like from like I my dad took me to go see the Phantom Menace when it first came out with my cousins who are the the ones that got me into Star Wars and the ones whose VHSs I ended up breaking by watching it so many times, um, and my dad did not take me to go see Attack of the Clones, um, yeah, and I had to watch it on a bootleg from the flea market. That that was my first experience with Attack of the Clones. Uh, it's actually one of my favorite. It's my favorite out of the three, which is heresy. But I saw Attack of the me. Clones in the theaters. And then I don't even remember how I saw the Phantom Menace, and then it probably didn't see. Was it Revenge of the Sith, right? Yeah, I will say this: I did see Revenge of the Sith like I think three times in theaters with nope. like different groups of friends. I didn't see that till like four years after it came out. Oh wow! Um, I saw Revenge of the Sith um, midnight showing. It's like first like midnight showing that I distinctly remember as a kid. Yeah, and I loved it. Uh, so going on into the revenge of the sith so because lucas basically had to wrap everything up in revenge of the sith he left out a lot of plot points from attack of the clones um he promised fans that he would explain the mystery behind things like camino and the jedi archives and things like that at a later date but he never really got around to it until basically like the clone wars tv show um so a lot of like that stuff is left unresolved in revenge of the sith um, he even, like, planned to have more tie-ins to the original trilogy, things like um, a 10-year-old Han Solo appearing on Kashyyyk during that battle, um, you know, Palpatine revealing to Anakin that he and his master basically created him from midichlorians and thus being his father, um, and then just parallels to Luke in Vader from, like, The Empire Strikes Back and things like that. So more Vader then we just get in like that last like 10 minutes but all that stuff doesn't make it into the movie and we get the movie that we get um for whatever reason those are um at the end of the day the phantom menace comes out in 1999 and does very very well one a uh, little over a billion dollars in the box office Attack of the Clones comes out in 2002 and only makes I say I say only, only. but like it's still <laughs> it's still like a substantial amount of money uh 649.4 million dollars in the box office and Revenge of the Sith comes out in 2005 and makes 848.8 million dollars in the box office which uh is still a lot of money um Overall, and the reason why we're doing this episode even at all is because there's an overall mixed reaction to the trilogy by critics and fans. I think as the years have gone by and we get more and more background information, like the novels, like the two Clone Wars series that we get uh, that fill in some of the plot points that Lucas didn't get to tell and left out, I think it has people coming around to appreciating the trilogy more, at least in in my opinion. Uh, in my completely experience. An- yeah. Yeah, just completely, you know, anecdotal, and it's different for every fan because I know yeah. people who religiously hate these movies and we're going to talk about the bad parts in it and our but why those but i'm also going to get in there and i'm going to defend on my hill why <laughs> i still go back and rewatch these movies every year and why i really don't think they're as bad as people will say they are um so we'll just jump right into it so we can have a nice lengthy discussion <laughs> about it 
So we'll start with the bad, just because I think that there's more hate than there is love for the prequel. So we'll start there, and then we'll wrap up with um, some good stuff. So first and foremost, I think the biggest problems with the prequels, having just watched them again and have watched them many times over the years, is that they just really, really suffer from poor writing and acting choices. Um, and we'll hit some of the main points from that that I think that you know critics of the trilogy can... Um, can agree on that these are definitely even myself having liked the prequels how some of these are kind of are problematic to the story so I think the first one that jumps out after my rewatch is anim- uh, Anakin and I almost said anime there, is, their names there together. is a couple name for them but I don't remember what it, what it, what it is I kind of like anime because it's like because <laughs> it's like hits double points I like that I'm going to go with anime uh, so the Anakin and Padme love plot is kind of weird Specifically, like just right away, watch rewatching uh, the Phantom Menace. Anakin is just way too young, and he wasn't supposed to be that young. I I, um, I was reading like up to re- going through this that Lucas originally wanted to make him like fourteen originally, and he probably should just kept him fourteen to be he honest because like ten is just way too young, and I don't like it. It's weird. It makes like what happens in the rest of the you know the series kind of so, cringy. What is the actual age difference? Um, he's 10 and she is, I think like 16. Okay. If if I want to. Which like, it's not weird, but it's only not weird when you're already out of being 10. Yeah, no, I know it's totally weird and I totally didn't like it, but I was just trying to, I didn't remember what the exact number was. Yeah, and Twitter. Six is actually not bad. I actually thought it was worse. I thought it was worse too, because I mean like we're, we're four, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, it, like it, it's not that bad, but you have to get out of the being ten stage for it not to look creepy. Yeah, I don't know the exact. <laughs> I don't know the exact ages because obviously they don't they don't say it in in the movie. Yeah. Um, I. Because like, she becomes queen at like fourteen, but I don't think. I think she's been queen for a little bit. She's been queen for a little while. When, yeah. When they so meet. I'm pretty sure it's like. 16 to like 10 to 12 range which i think is still creepy considering the age difference there and it comes off as creepy because uh natalie portman just looks way older than he does oh god (laughs) yeah yes it comes off as really weird and that kind of transitions into the attack of the clones um which is part of like the pacing problem i have with attack of the clones is that their love just happens really fast like he hasn't seen her in ten years, but by the end of the movie, like they're confessing, Padme's confessing her his her love to him, uh, and it's pretty cringy. And there's some pretty like, uh, "Don't look at me like that." And he's like, "Well, why?" And then she walks away, and he's looking at the camera really cringily and like, like neck beardy. So that stuff's not great um, <laughs> for me. It's like the worst part of like that love relationship thing. Although I do love the. Um, the score for when they get married, I think it's beautiful. It's what my wife walked out to. It's beautiful. Um, but it's also just really cringy. Yeah. When you go back and like you just think about like it's been ten years and this stuff doesn't happen, you know, in a very long period of time, but now they're in love because he cut up some pears and like fed it to her. And then you also know that it's totally based on a love that he had when he was ten. So Yeah. And she's like and she obviously still felt it, so she loved a ten year old, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like she she remembers the love she had from at ten. So like did you not love him as like a kid? Like what's yeah, happening it's here? Weird. Yeah. Um and I know Kate has specific problems with the 
the plot line in Revenge of the Sith. Yes. Um, I kind of don't because it's not as weird as don't look at me like that because it makes me feel uncomfortable. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And then just like gives her a side eye creepily thing that's like real. I can feel everything. Or she uh, another scene like the very beginning of the movie when he's like, uh, oh, she, I think she turned off the cameras in the room. I don't think she liked me looking at her or like looking <laughs> yeah. at her. I was like, you peeping Tom, bro? Well, like, that, I think... That I was think, going on here? I think my problems in Revenge of the Sith grew when I watched those movies looking back and seeing all those cringy things leading up to it. And then, like, all... Like, his, and then I also think seeing, like, this big control factor that happens in Clone Wars where you see him having these arguments with Padme where it becomes very controlling and stuff like that. Like, I think a lot of that leads me to my final opinion of like the 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 abuse that's in um revenge revenge of the sith that i have a really big problem with is because in in my opinion i know adrian has a different opinion on this and i know i know a lot of people specifically on my on my, on my tl will have a lot of different opinions of this like i hate the way that padme is handled in the entirety of revenge of the sith because i think that we lose a lot of her because she's like confined to a room and pregnant the entire time which I don't think you have to be confined to a room when you're pregnant, and a lot of it just is really controlling and abusive. And I can go on for, like, an entire, like, episode on it, but I'm not going to. Um, But I think ultimately it is something that is informed by all the other things that I see out there, because I don't think that that was my initial opinion when I first watched Revenge of the Sith. A lot of it has actually come from a growing appreciation of Padme that I've come to have, specifically from watching stuff like Clone Wars, where she is a bona fide badass. Yeah, I think a lot of that comes from just, you know, him having to, like, wrap th- wrap things up real quick. And I think it's a go- one of the big writing problems that I have with Attack, with Revenge of the Sith. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. It's so could point. any of this happen for him being so cringy because he's basically, like, 11 years old when all this is taking place? Oh, he's not 11. Uh, well, it starts when he's 11. Yeah. No, yeah, like, all of it stems from him being too old <laughs> to be in the Jedi Order. Like, that's where, like, all of this stems from, to be honest. Like, there's a reason why they don't have kids that old becoming Jedi. Too much attachment, got taken away from his mom, has mommy issues, so. Yeah. Were we talking about her death in this part or not? Uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, technically it is a part of the love plot. Which, another yeah. differing opinion that we have. Like, I actually like the explanation, which is total, like, fan theory explanation for it, that she dies because when he force chokes her, and in order, she's knocked out, but in order for the uh, for Palpatine to save Anakin, he had to drain her force to then put it in him, which leads her to dying. Because um, I don't like the whole de- death of a broken heart thing. I just, I just don't. Is by far the worst death I've ever seen in any movie. Yeah, it that and I think she deserves no something sense. else. Like I like Padme had such a fighting spirit that it bugs the crap out of me. Which aunt like which goes back to like when I didn't care about it when I was just in the I hate all these characters mode. Like I didn't think as critically about these things, but now that I'm like I actually really love Padme, and I think she needs her own book. Like I'm surprised yeah. there's not a Padme book. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I finished watching it literally like 30 minutes ago um, before we sat down to record, and I tried looking at the lens that 
that you've talked about because I really hadn't watched it since we had that conversation, you know, a few months ago. And I still, I just still don't see it that way, especially like when you're looking at when she's dying and giving birth and then Anakin's becoming Vader. I think it's like a different, I think it just sets the tone of like that. Those scenes are just, you know, she lost basically everything that made her her. Like she lost the Republic. She lost her seat on the Senate. She lost, um, you know, as cringy as it is, like the love of her life and just watch her choke her out. Um, and then you see Anakin on the other scene, you know, going full into the hate. And that's the only thing that was able to sustain him through that process of becoming yeah. Vader is just like his supreme hate for Obi-Wan and everything. Um, so I see it much more as like, look at these parallels on how these different, how these two people are reacting to it, that situation. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess, and really, I think Debbie, I think her mom, I think Carrie Fisher's mom died from a broken heart. But see, and it, like, and I've thought about that cause you've brought that to me before, but I think that there's a tighter bond to your children than the person who put the children inside you. So if like, and that's why I think that happens with Debbie Reynolds and with people that like when they when they lose their kids and go into deep depressions and end up becoming really sick. And if you flip that, yes, Padme lost everything, but she had kids. Like she was yeah. giving birth to kids. Like yeah, I, 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 mean, I don't want kids, and I'm never going to be a mother, so I can't speak from that. But just like hearing how like my mom talks, like the only reason like the mothers that I do know make it through like really tough stuff is because they do it for their kids so I just have a hard time like why she would place him above her potential children uh, a piece of relationship manipulation stuff like that I'd assume and like to be honest at the end of the day like regardless of how badass she is she had to die anyway I know like, she had to die. I know she had to yeah, die. Like, Which she actually, could've, no, she, she could have died. She I mean, she could have died there with Anakin choking her out, and then like they save the babies. Like, is that a better death than, you know, yeah. something actually, else? But I, don't, doesn't, I don't know. Doesn't Leia reference having memories of her mother? Yeah, it's a bad pop point. I think more. I think that more has so more to do with her being like force sensitive. I think, than like it being a major. But is thing. that retcon to make up for the fact that they killed her? Versus letting uh, her die differently. I mean, in Bloodline, it's she still like references like having memories of her mother, but I think that's just because like she's that kind of force sensitive. No, but that's of, what I'm saying. Like because it's come out now, like isn't like isn't that just retconning the fact that that was a plot point that got missed? Yeah, it's probably just a plot point that got missed to be honest. Because there's a, there's quite a few of them, which is why like the Clone Wars and different novels had to like make up for those points so i think it's just a missed plot point to be honest yeah. in my head just like from reading the, the bloodline book i think that was just like i in my head i have that as just her being force sensitive and you know being able she's strong she's a strong feeling force sensitive person that's why she's able to feel yeah. you know luke at the end of the uh, empire strikes back and things like that yeah. without really knowing that she's force sensitive but who knows that's what happens when you rush movies, I guess. Do you have theories? Send them to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so moving on from that, we also have in terms of like writing um, and character development. Uh, I've seen a lot of people say uh, some of our great podcast friends don't like Anakin as a whole as a character, uh, being that he's not compelling enough as the focus, basically the main focus of the three movies. Um I don't really see it that way. I think like his fall to being Vader is very methodical through three movies. 
but like regardless, it's still rude and like hating Christensen's career. Like when we were, we were watching Revenge of the Sith right now, and my wife Stefani was like, "Whatever happened to him?" Like I was like, "Who knows?" He's, <laughs> he lives on in gifts on Twitter, basically. Uh, at this point, so do you have any thoughts on that, Matt? Kate? No. I mean, I think it, honestly, like my the Clone Wars makes me appreciate Anakin more, but I still like I don't buy his. I don't buy a lot of the stuff in, like, progression-wise in the prequel trilogy to make him the character he is. That being said, I think that he does get hate for some actions that I don't think he should get. And I think a lot of that comes from, like, not, like, he is a bad character with bad lines a lot of the time, but I think there are really good plot points that let you show why he has this intense passion and why he can't lock away those emotions like the other Jedi. For sure. I think he's like the Nickelback of this point, where they're probably not that good, <laughs> but I don't know why everybody hates him that much. <laughs> that is, a great reference. That is a really good explanation. We need to put that on a t-shirt. Yes! Um, I'll save my thoughts for... <laughs> Nickelback! T-shirt time! Well, I just uh, didn't think it was that bad. I mean, I don't know. It wasn't obviously that good, but I didn't think it was yeah. like that bad. Yeah, now. I'll say I'll save my thoughts for when we go through it because because during like the good portion of our but why those I have a couple points on that of why I do like um, what Hayden Christensen did and why I believe that turned to the dark side, but I'll save it for for when yeah. we get there. Yeah, Nickelback's so, got a few good songs yeah. too. I mean, <laughs> like I, I think overall, I think one of my big distaste distastes for Anakin comes from like. It's the fact that he knows, like, he he knows that he's the chosen one, so he acts a certain way, and like, I, there's like yeah. this like dude broy aspect of him that just makes me angry. Yeah, <laughs> it's and it's like honestly, like, I mean, character wise, I really don't think any of it like is his fault. Like, it's the Jedi Order's fault for one, taking him, two, not freeing his mother when yeah, they that's... definitely could have. And then three, like, believing that he's the chosen one and just letting him get away with all this antics he gets away with. Yeah. Because um, there's, like, a, there's a discussion between um, some of the masters in the Order, and they're like, well, isn't he the chosen one? Or he's like, oh, I'm worried about Anakin. Like, well, isn't he the chosen one? Blah, 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 blah. So they kind of, like, just let him do whatever he wants, even though they're worried about it. Um, and, and his haircuts were just really bad throughout the entire movie. Hey, that was totally 2000s. Yeah, that haircuts. was totally. Ian McGregor right had better hair than he did, though. True. Exactly. True. Except in the first movie. Yeah, because th- he's still like on that Padawan there. haircut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so moving on from there, and this next point is one that I personally never really saw, basically until I got on Twitter like this past year. Um, yeah. But people have a lot of problems with the representation of characters in the Phantom Menace as being like highly stereotypical of you know cultures in our world today um, and again I'll just reiterate that I don't see these but I think it's important to talk about just because I know it's an issue with a lot of people um, as I'll say like as a kid who watched the Phantom Menace I didn't see any of this even watching it now I really don't see it I think it's kind of a reach to be honest but uh, we'll talk about it to see if you guys what you guys think about it so one that i saw is wado the guy who basically uh 
is the owner of Shimmy Skywalker and Anakin Skywalker in The Phantom Menace. Um, people hearken that species to being Jewish because of like the big noses and uh, things like that. Um, the sand people as being Arabs or Middle Eastern peeper, people. Uh, Jar Jar B- Peepers. Uh, Jar Jar Binks being a black Caribbean stereotype and the, 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 the Nymodians um, being Asian stereotypes because they do technology and things like that and their accents are supposed to be stereotypical Asian accents. I don't know how y'all feel about this, but... Y'all made a start? I mean, I'm going to write in I the middle. I want Matt to start. I, 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 I'm going to write in the middle. And I think it's a play. reach and people just looking for shit. I don't, I don't know what the black Caribbean stereotype, I guess. It's like, so it, he, he is actually portrayed by a black actor. And it's the way he's talking and the way he's like reflecting a, like the Caribbean type thing. But so this is where I have a problem with the Jarger Binks. Like I, like I see it. Like, I see all these things. Watto, not so much. Watto, I, I, I really don't see. Like, I, I've never saw Watto. The really terrible accents on the, on the Nimodians, like, that was apparent to me. Like, that was the first thing that was apparent to me. But when it comes to Jar Jar, I saw it and I agreed with it when I first heard about that. Um, but I have a hard time with that because when I, you... Because I feel really bad for the actor who played him. Because the actor has actually come out and said a lot that Lucas didn't come and say, do this accent, do this. That was an that was a voice that he had used with the young with the kids in his life. And he brought that to the character. And so that's one of the things that I have a really hard time kind of getting on board with. But they see a stereotype that's been used in different types of media. And so when they see it played out, even if it is an alien, they automatically assume that that is what that person is going for. And I think with a character like Jar Jar, and I'm not defending him, because like Jar Jar is just a bad character overall, but like when you actually listen to the actor talk, like Lucas didn't come in and say, I want you to do a Jamaican accent. I want you to do these exaggerated characteristics. That is something the actor who is black chose for himself. And so that's why I think that, that like, I don't understand that. But at the same time, I'm not going to tell somebody not to have a reaction to these things. Yeah. That's about where I stand too. Like I can't say like, Oh, well that's not the reaction you should have, but I just disagree with the reaction itself. Well, mainly because um, for Wado being Jewish and things like that, like we, like he's one person. I don't think he's a representation, or he's not. He shouldn't be like the representation of like that entire species. Like that's just like one junk dealer slaver guy. Yeah. Because if you see like if you see the Tordarians in the Clone Wars, like they're nothing like Wado like at all. Um, for the Sand and- People, for the Sand People, like if you've played any of like the video games or any. If you've, like, in basically, like, if you've done any other media outside of, like, the movies, like, you see that the sand people, like, aren't just um, mindless animals. Like, they are um, sentient and have their own societies and things like that. Uh, for Jar Jar Binks, we see, like, like you said, like, Jar Jar Binks is a bad character. I don't think he's, like, a stereotype. I think he's just a bad character because yeah. we see the other Gungans who aren't anything like Jar Jar Binks. And we only get, like, glimpses of the Nemodians in, like, very, very brief scenes. Yeah. Uh, so, but th- those accents are really bad. Like those accents. Yeah, are but I, I don't know, man. I just, I just don't see it because uh, I'm like I'm 
So again, what like, was like, the I, like I usually am. Like I, I, the I, black Caribbean stereotype is what I'm trying to figure out here. Because they see it as a care, like they see it as a representation of stereotypes that they have seen attributed to black people and specifically like Jamaican and Caribbean inhabitants reflected. Yeah, in like that. the you know, stereotypical like see. like Rastafarian, you know, kind of uh, dumb, you know, always high kind of thing. Yeah. The way he talks, uh, the slang, the. I see it if that's what people see, but as a kid and as someone who just watches these characters on screen. Um, also kind of with Matt where I'm like, I'm just seeing aliens on screen as characters, not necessarily parallels to what we have in today's society. But again, I can also see why people would feel a certain type of way about that. But again, it's not something that I even realized was a thing until, you know, like six months ago. Yeah. I mean, like, and I mean, and I had heard it before six months ago, I think too, like, it's just important to understand at least from that perspective, like none of us are black Caribbean or of black Caribbean descent or, or black or Jewish or Asian or Arab. So like if somebody feel like if somebody who is of that feels that that's what being, that what, that is what's being represented, then I think it's important to have that conversation. But I do kind of like, I take that stance and I recognize that and I don't want to invalidate anybody's feelings in that way. For sure. Yeah. But and if we're missing something, time, definitely yeah, like, hit, tell hit us, us on Twitter if we're missing something. Yeah, like tell us, explain to us, break it down for us, like let us know. Um, but I also know like specifically just talking about Jar Jar, like I feel really bad for that actor. Like Same. really, really bad for that actor. And so that that's why I have a hard time making that. And yeah. Yeah. I think the Nemodians are the only ones where I'm like, okay, I totally see what was going on there because I feel like there are multiple people speaking in that accent. That was a creative choice that was made, and I think if you listen to that accent, it's 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 really bad. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll move on from there because I think we can stay on that forever. Um, but I will say that there aren't any Latina X. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> stereotypes yeah, the- going on, so that's why we can't feel that way because there's nothing like us going on to make fun of a, of us for. As we move on, another big point that kind of revolves around the writing and kind of um, the actor choices. And this can go different ways for different people, but the politics surrounding this trilogy, uh, people either think there's, like, too much politics going on, and some people, like myself, think there's too little politics going on and not enough of uh, Palpatine's political maneuvering that's going on kind of, like, behind the scenes. Um, Big problem that I've seen for people bring up for the trilogy and something that I have a problem with for one of my issues with it. Um, also just in terms of just writing, probably some of like the most memeable lines from the star Wars universe comes from the prequel trilogies, uh, with cringy lines like the sand conversation, which I disagree with. I don't think it's a bad line. I actually like that line. Um, and say it for us, Adrian. Huh? Say it for us. The line? No, I, I'm not going to... At me on Twitter, I'll defend the line there. Uh, I, I just don't think it's a bad line. I think it's a... Like, he grew up on sand. Of course a dude hates sand. Like, sand represents everything that guy hates. Um, from the point of view, the Jedi are evil. I rewatch it again, and I, it's, it's just a badly misplaced line in such an epic battle and fight. Uh, now this is pod racing, is super memeable. Basically, anything Jar Jar says at all can come across as very cringy and bad. Um, 
and I don't think this has anything to do with the actors themselves. I just think that those are just bad lines in general that you could have gotten anyone to read those lines and it still would have come off as pretty bad. I do have a question. When it comes to like the lines and stuff, because we talked about Hayden's career was being just completely tanked by the prequel trilogy. Why is Natalie, like, why does Natalie survive? Because Natalie Portman had, like, this is her launching point and she has like a giant career. And same with Ewan McGregor. I think they're just better actors, so they're able to get across cringy lines better. Um, yeah. That, I think that's really all like, it comes down to. I mean, because Hayden, Hayden Christensen does have like a movie after this, and it just doesn't do well. Um, I think Natalie Portman just is prettier than Hayden Christensen <laughs> and has more draw, I think. And Ewan McGregor's just Ewan McGregor. Like, he has that on, hair. Man. Like, how could you, how can you hate on Ewan McGregor? Um... <laughs> Another big problem for the prequel trilogy is the pacing is really, really rough in some places. And this is like a, I think this is more a dictatorial, uh, not dictatorial, directical, directical, directorial. Yeah, there we go. That word. Uh, sorry. Remember NyQuil, um, DayQuil, head. Um, the pacing is just really rough. And I think it's really, really felt in The Phantom Menace because it just feels long because you stay in one place for so long. Like the tat- the events on Tatooine seem to drag on really, really bad. And that's like outside of like the pod racing scene, but it just feels like it goes on for a very, very, very long time. Um, when I think they could have sped up a little bit and kind of broken it up with some other stuff going on around the galaxy. Um, rewatching attack of the clones, it jumps back and forth between all of the plot points it has going on. And it really messes up the, the pacing, I think. And it, when you get to the Battle of Geonosis, it feels really rushed because you were balancing the uh, the anime love sequences with you know political maneuvering along with um, Obi Wan like trying to find out who's uh, who's the bounty hunter who tried to kill Padme at the beginning of the movie. So it just jumps back way too way too much, and it really messes up the pacing to make the Battle of Geonosis feel like how it should feel. Um, there are too many like badly placed screen wipes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say next. Like, there's too many screen wipes in, and as much as I love screen wipes, like it's a you know pinnacle of Star Wars storytelling. There just happens way too often in Attack of the Clones. And having just rewatched Revenge of the Sith, I really don't feel like the pacing. I think they got the pacing down a lot more in that one compared to the other two. Um, but I can see like how people would say that uh, some of the storylines kind of might be too jumbled in that one but i think that one has the best pacing out of all three of these movies Um, but i can definitely feel the problems in the phantom menace and attack of the clones a another big plot point or another big point for or that's a knock against the prequels which i kind of see is a good thing and a bad thing is that there's too much cgi mainly that like the color scheme that they use doesn't match the original trilogy um, it's very, very bright. Um, there's not a whole bunch of practical sets going on. There are some practical sets, having gone back and like looked at like the behind-the-scenes stuff, but not nearly as much that we get in the original trilogy. I think this, a lot of this stems from just Lucas just being so like, oh, I have the money to spend all this money on CGI. So everyone gets CGI, and everyone... Um, even Yoda gets redone as CGI because the practical sets that they use doesn't fit 
the the models of the CGI that they're using in in the movie. And because of this, some of the fight scenes don't age very well, to be honest. Um, like particularly, like a lot of the stuff in the Phantom Menace doesn't age very well. Attack of the Clones, some of the stuff in Revenge of the Sith doesn't age very well either. And that's just because it's so heavily CGI'd, and we've just come such a long way with like motion capture and things like that. Like there is at the end of Revenge of the Sith, see, there's a CGI Tarkin in there, and that CGI Tarkin looks nothing like the CGI Tarkin that we get in Rogue One. So. I know that's a big knock. Do you have any thoughts on that, on the CGI of it? Do you want to go? No. Cool. One of the things that I've loved about Star Wars is I love the practical effects in, in the original trilogy. Um, like, the because to me, it made those creatures and those different, like, species seem real. Um and like that is something that I, I do remember the first time I went back and watched where I was like none of this feels like a world I could step into I mean like the wampa was obviously not you know not yeah. real but like the cantina scene and um, even the um, Jabba's palace and stuff like all of those scenes feel real um, and I think that that's one of the things that gets me and has always gotten me about the prequel trilogy is that none of those feel like I can walk into that set and feel everything. And that was one of the things that I was really worried about when they did the sequel trilogy. Like, this, that was what I was scared about, was that they were going to do too much. Um, yeah. Granted, we now live in a world with mocap, and that's not really a problem anymore. Yeah. Um, so my last kind of, like, bad thing that I'll have for the prequels is that a lot of people feel that the prequel trilogy is marketed too much to kids. And this is something that I can definitely see in The Phantom Menace. I honestly think like choices like this that Lucas made kind of dates back to Return of the Jedi, where he went with Ewoks instead of Wookiees for, one, for cost reasons, of course, but also to make it um, a little more family-friendly. Like, it's kind of hard to imagine Wookiees... I mean, not hard for me to imagine. Like, I would love Wookiees whip, rip, ripping apart stormtroopers but he went with ewoks instead just because it was cheaper and uh cuter to market i guess um and then the phantom menace really suffers from this i think it has like i think it i'm pretty sure it has like a pg rating compared to the other ones that have like pg-13 ratings because some of the attack of the clone stuff is a little heavy and revenge of the sith is super heavy like anakin's chopping up kids in that movie uh so i can see this critique for some of the prequel trilogy but i can't see it for all of it which I will say this, out of everything, that scene still like kind of makes me really, really sad. Because the youngling just walks up to him like, Master Anakin, Master what do we do? Yeah, and he just gets yeah, chopped up. It just like that. Get out of here. That makes me so sad. Yeah, and you know, and this critique here, I'll I'll full fledged admit that like when I watched these, I was a kid. So these movies were marketed to me when I was a kid. Like the the pod racing scene. I still like that scene because it was cool and stuff was flying around and like that's what they did it for. You know, that's a that's a made for kids thing right there. And even growing up, like as a kid I didn't have any problems with Jar Jar Binks cracking jokes. Like I thought they were cute and quippy. But then I got older and I was like, Alright, come on, Jar Jar. Let's be real. The way here. they marketed him was really weird. He had that really weird like lollipop thing where like his face opened and it was his tongue. Hey, I had one of his, his cup topper things that they, they were giving out. I love that thing. It's one of my favorites. 
Uh, so yeah. anything that you think that we left out for the bad that before was... we move on to some of the good? Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, the Phantom Menace definitely I thought was very kid-friendly. I didn't I didn't like it when the first time I saw it. I thought it was very cheesy. And then <clears throat> about the same with the other ones. What would be your one, like, main bad for, like, the, like, from this? From what, my main bad? Yeah, like, what bad would you say, like, stands out the most to you? Or, like, why, like, would you choose to watch these over the other ones? Or, like, um, what's the worst note that they hit for you? The entire Phantom Menace movie? (laughs) 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 Uh, I didn't think Attack of the Clones was actually really as bad as what people said it was, honestly. I actually enjoyed the battle. I guess I could see some of the coloring, cause especially it doesn't. The color scheme definitely makes it weird when you try to watch them all together, but throws me off considering the timeline. And Return, Revenge of the Sith is kind of actually is pretty good, and I didn't have a problem. And definitely a lot more, I guess, violent or like upper level. But the Phantom Menace, just the whole thing seems like literally a Disney movie. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> just do not like, and then. Basically, like I said, the whole, it just feels like nothing happens, and they just sit there on Tatooine for the entire movie, and I don't really care about the pod racing. And then they made the stupid pod racing games, which made it even worse. <laughs> yeah. No, I think the only bad, I don't know if I would add it just so much as, like, I think the marketing of this was really weird and that should be a bad because there's this one like I think it's promoting the DVDs to buy and it's Yoda and it's Yoda is Yoda be Yoda like it was like Yoda man like the man but using Yoda and it was really freaking weird and friend of the podcast Suar Saleh uh, sent it to me one day but saying all that, by the way, the worst thing of this entire thing is Padme's death. I cannot yeah. stand that, and I didn't really get to say much about it, but it's still the worst death in like any movie I've seen. Why do you think it's the worst? I just don't understand why she dies. Valid. Like, she just literally was supposed to be, like, queen, and then she dies because I have a broken heart or something. I saw the technology they have. They can make a lightsaber, but she dies that way, and you can't <laughs> save her. Yeah. yeah. What's well, your... Oh. What? Uh, I was just, I mean, the droid does say that, like, we don't know why we're losing her, so they tried. Um, my biggest problem is, I think, just, like, the lack of the political scheming. Having read some of the um, expanding universe stuff, like, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that... I think would have translated really well. Like if we would have gotten like a flashback to like the Darth Plagueis, um, you know, you know, Sidious taking out his master or like Plagueis basically like starting the clone wars way, way back in the day. I think that stuff would have been kind of cool to see Um, because you can see that there's a lot there. Like you can see that the galactic Republic is a huge entity in this universe and we really don't get enough of it. Um, And I think it's a big knock against, the prequel trilogy for me. Yeah. And I I think mine is just being, yeah. I think I just said, but like, I don't know. I think there should be more politics, but but then I don't want more politics because the politics we have are badly written. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's I want real. more. It's too but real. But like, eh. 
Yeah. All right, so for that, we'll move on right, to some of the good stuff. now that we hit an hour, good... let's move to the good. Yeah. I'll cut a lot of it out. <laughs> so uh, we'll move into some of the good stuff. So like I said before, I think some of the CGI that happens in the prequels is good, in my opinion. Um, I think the advances in CGI give us a Star Wars It's like much grander prior to the Empire taking over and putting the galaxy into like basically disarray and kind of like this almost like dystopian uh, version of the universe. So some things so some things that I personally think are improved with CGI are definitely the lightsaber battles that happen. Um, specifically like the Duel of Fates, which I think if anyone who hates the Phantom Menace has to agree that the Duel of Fates is um, a great fight scene yeah. where uh, Darth Maul should have won. Um, the duel on Mustafar with Anakin and Obi-Wan. Jango Fett versus Obi-Wan in Attack of the Clones, where we actually get to see kind of like a Mandalorian in action and not just get thrown into a Sarlacc pit. Um, Windu versus Sidious. Sidious versus Yoda. Like, I can go on and on. Um, there's no lightsaber battle that I didn't like in the Attack of the Clones or in the prequel trilogy. So, Which, actually, I think the only thing, the only battle that I don't think holds up is like the Yoda battle with Dooku. I think that's the only one that is kind of hard to watch now. But I think every other battle that is done with people over CGI, like, I'll, I'll rewatch it now, and it, it is still fine for me, and it's still really yeah. good. Yeah. Like, Yoda fight still holds up for me, just because I remember, like, as a kid, just, like, marking out when Yoda, like, throws down his cane. And I don't oh, think I'll yeah. ever... I'll never have a problem with it just because of, like, how epic like that scene is in the terms of like the ethos of star Wars watching Yoda just jump around and stuff. Uh, other things I think that are improved are battle sequences, specifically the battle of Geonosis, um, the battle of like Kashyyyk, the opening scene of Revenge of the Sith is one of my favorites in all of star Wars. Um, not only, you know, when they get into the capital ship, but just the, the fighting that happens leading up to that with like the buzz droids and things like that. You couldn't do that. I mean, I guess you probably could now, but like, you know, early nineties or early two thousands, like that's probably only doable with the CGI technology Um, with the CGI as well. You're able to kind of world build a little little bit better. And I love world building. I mean, this is a huge expansive universe and I don't think in the, Maybe, maybe like even into the, the the sequel trilogy, like we don't see enough of like the different worlds, the different ships, the different species, and we kind of get that a little bit more in the prequel trilogy than we do in the other trilogies. So, for example, like the Senate Chamber is enormous, and that kind of tells you how big uh, this world is, and you know, reason why we need more politics in it. Uh, I mean, there's you know thousands and thousands of those chairs in there so like who are these people why where, where, where can we learn more about them uh planets that we've never seen before like completely water planets like camino um bug planets like geonosis geonosis uh we get to see you know the wookie homeworld of kashik coruscant the city planet things like that uh, the ships that they're able to kind of show us are uh, a lot better in the prequel trilogy. So we kind of see the transition of the Republic capital ships basically like as pre-Star Destroyers, right? Which I personally think is super, super cool. Uh, the execution of Order 66 with CGI is so good. Yeah. Because we get to see all the different planets, all the different ways the Jedi were like helping out in this war. And CGI kind of brings all that stuff to life. 
and I personally like the pod racing scene with CGI. Personally, on five point five or five point one audio on a you know one hundred twenty inch projector screen in your living room, it's pretty good. I just think it's too long. I like it a lot. It's just yeah, that long. would be my only knock. That's a little too long. But hey, man, they have to do three laps. <laughs> you ever play the game? That's that's a it's a long map. Yeah. Uh, any any points on CGI, Matt? Before we move on. I'm just not that big of a CGI person like you guys are critique-wise as you guys. It doesn't bother me as much. I mean, as long as they're not CGI and corn or sand, I guess, in this case. <laughs> like, to me, C- I don't really... I notice very, very bad CGI, but as far as everything else, it's kind of like eating pizza. I know when it's very bad, but as far as like great pizza, you can see it's great, but everything else is just kind of in the middle. And you still eat it because yeah. it's pizza. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> It has to be very, yeah. very terrible not to eat it, and then you'll know when it's really, really good. But everything else, you're just like, yeah, I eat it. It's good. Yeah, and they're just judging by going off of, like, Range of the Sith, which is obviously, like, the the height of their ability to do CGI during that trilogy. I really don't think any of it really ages too poorly. I think the stuff that ages kind of bad is some of, like, the scenes with the clone troopers, where it's, like, a whole bunch of them. Like, yeah. that stuff is, you, that kind of stuff is, like, noticeably, like... All right, like this is not a movie made in 2017, but like like you were saying, Matt, like it, none of it really jumps out to me as being like this is unwatchable. This is from like you know the dark ages kind of CGI. So yeah, I think the none worst of it really bothers of it, me. Yeah, like the worst of it is when he realizes that this is the tool he has at his disposal and he's gonna throw all of it at you. And then by yeah. then by Revenge of the Sith, it's like okay, I've used these things. I can kind of tone it down a little bit more. Yeah, I completely agree there. Uh, so next good that I would mention is that great actor or great character acting can definitely make up for bad writing that we see. And you can see this in Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan, um, some parts of Samuel Jackson as Mace Windu, Sir Christopher Lee as Count Dooku, um, Ian McDermott as Palpatine, even a little bit of Qui-Gon Jinn with, um, Liam Neeson. Uh, like those characters are great because of the great actors, and it's some of it's over. Like they over are like they overcome that bad acting. Some of them do have cringy lines, but other parts, like I just having I mean, just watched that last battle with uh, in the Mustafar scene, like Uma McGregor acts the hell out of feeling heartbroken in that scene. Which is also why I don't know why they have why they're casting an Obi. You have your Obi. You have your Obi Wan. Yeah, I don't. I don't need anyone else's Obi Wan because we've seen him old and we've seen him young, and he he's able to do it just fine. And now fine. Ewan McGregor like, is the right age to play to to play yeah, the seniors like, arc. Yeah, let's do it. And to be honest, like I, even for Hayden Christensen himself, like there are some scenes in the prequel trilogy which I don't think um, get enough credit. Like for example, like the amount of like pain he's he does when he's doing his recounts of like slaughtering the sand people village I think is amazing. Like I think it's really, really good and comes across as really well as like he genuinely hates sand people like a lot. And he was crushed, like holding his mother in his arms. Um, a smaller scene that I think is like too real. Like, I don't think when movie, when, the, when like the unexpected presence, pregnancies come up in movies and stuff it's always like a happy joy moment but like Anakin's face when he first finds out is like oh shit <laughs> what and you can like see, like in his in his facial acting in that scene like you can see him being like oh I want to freak out but I can see that she's happy 
wait, okay, let me be happy now and still be worried <laughs> a little bit too. Uh, I think it's super, super underrated just to name a couple scenes that I think show how great, it, how good, how I don't want to say great, but like how good an actor Hayden Christensen is and doesn't deserve nearly as much hate as he gets for the, for the movies. I know we're still talking about the good, but I'm trying to think of like, because I don't actually think Padme, like Natalie Portman has a whole bunch of like things that make me go like, uh, the reason why I realized why it's creepy because she still calls him Annie. And so yeah. she's taking that 10 year old name into adulthood. And that's what makes it weird. But Dang, also, just imagine when they're doing it. Oh my God. No, I'm, <laughs> you can't see me listeners, but I'm cringing. <laughs> um, also though, I will say the worst line to me isn't sand. It's where she goes, breaking my heart i hate that part i hate that part so much uh i think the um i'm only beautiful because i'm so in love with you is a much worse part than that part i hate i just hate her like her voice acting in that scene but yes that is that is also very very bad so does she have any shining moments yeah i didn't put her in my list of great acting because i don't think she has a lot of parts that What's I'm saying? Because she's apparently, neutral. She what's I'm saying? She apparently middle. didn't get her yeah. career killed. Apparently, she blew up from these movies. But I don't really recall her having anything like stand out. Wow. Yeah, I th- I think Padme is a is a good of this just in attack. I think Padme is the reason I love Attack of the Cl- Clones so much in that in that battle scene. Because like while while the guys are freaking out, she's like working her way out of her handcuffs. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, I don't think she has like anything that really jumps out. I mean, I think her, I think her big thing is like right after this, or maybe right before. I think right after, where she does like V for V for Vendetta. I think that's much yeah. more of her jumping off point. It's right. But after. I think this kind of like got her foot in the door, and like V for Vendetta kind of shot her, yeah. shot her onto the scene. I think. Yeah. But her um, acting in that was like incredible, and what they asked her to do is incredible. So I think you obviously know she didn't shoot herself by these movies. Yeah, I think she did just enough, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, just enough for her to get by to kind of do other stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, not to, like, reiterate the point, but Ewan McGregor and Ian, McDerm- Ian McDermott are probably, like, the best actors in this in this trilogy, and you can really see it with basically everything. Like, if you go ask anyone who hates the, trilo- the prequel trilogy, two things that they're probably going to say they liked about it are probably Palpatine and Ewan McGregor. As Obi Wan inside of it, hell yeah, with and purple lightsaber, which I love the story love behind Windy. that. Because oh, Sam, I love because Samuel love Jackson love wanted to stand out, so he he requested a purple lightsaber, and that just makes me really happy. And I'm really sad he dies. Hey, uh, they have not confirmed that he is dead. <laughs> he can come back some still way. Falling. I don't know. <laughs> He's probably still falling. Yeah. Um. So. By the way, that was the saddest out of all the movies parts for me, for set for some reason, out of all that. Yeah. Yeah. it's. I think it's a great scene uh, in general. It's, one, again, one of my favorite scenes from the prequels. Um, one, because you see Palpatine just totally wreck a bunch of Jedi Masters. And then you see Mace Windu kind of hold his own. And then, you know, then Palpatine kind of, like, let him win to see, you know, to un- unfold the plot and things like that. So, great scene all around between all the actors in that scene i think all the kids dying no problem samuel jackson getting thrown out the window i was sad same (laughs) priorities 
So moving on from there, so I think one of the biggest things that the prequel trilogy does, like whether it's good or bad, we do see some of like the unanswered questions in the original trilogy more or less kind of gone through in the prequel trilogy. So, you know, why are there no Jedi in the original trilogy? Like, why does no one believe that their Jedi was even a thing um, in some of the uh, some of the uh, in the sequel trilogy now? That's because like Anakin killed a bunch of kids. (laughs) (laughs) You ever mentioned the Sith? And all the other Jedi are in hiding because of Order sixty six. You know, you know why? How how did the Empire take power? You know, how does this, uh, something as grand as the Republic fall in such a manner? Like in like a span of like ten to fifteen years? Because Palpatine's a mastermind genius who probably is Donald Trump in like, <laughs> and it's scary. It's like, uh. And the, the biggest one, obviously, is, you know, how does Vader become Vader? And you get that yeah. basically through all three movies. Uh, and without the prequel trilogy, we'd probably be still be asking that question. And we would still probably be having to rely on uh, fan theories in... Or not fan theories, but, like, author theories in the expanded universe that really have no continuity, like we talked about in our books episode. So this gives us some canon references that can't be denied, I don't think. Another big one, and y'all might at me on Twitter for this, but I think John Williams kills it much harder in the prequel trilogy than he does in the original original trilogy. Um, I think the pre- the original trilogy has like the main scores, but the scenes that like the when Anakin is talking to Palpatine about the story of Darth Plagueis when the Order 66 is going on. Like, there are some scores in these prequel trilogies that are just phenomenal, like Duel of Fates, that I think are, I would say, more recognizable and more important to, like, the tone of the movie than we get in the original trilogy. I will say this, like, the only theme... Because, like, I love John Williams and I recognize Star Wars music when I hear it, but I think the one... Other than Leia's theme... Um... And, you know, the opening crawl and the Imperial March, which those are the things that stick and they're used throughout. It's Duel of Fates. It's so intense and so good. Like, I don't think there is any, like, I, it's, like, in memorability, it's up there with those. But in quality, I think it's above those three. I don't think the entire score of the prequel trilogies is better, but I do think that that, that section actually shines above anything else. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's just, for me, I think it's better just because um, the songs that you mentioned are kind of like big, you know, the beginning of the movie, the end of the movie. And like, except for like Leia's theme is, is like the, the different one, like the Imperial Mars, like those are like big grand scenes that kind of happen. I think the prequel trilogy is enhanced because of the score uh, throughout it. Like without that score, I don't think it would be even passable as like a good movie because music, you know, is just as important as like the writing is. But John Williams just adds that little bit of extra stuff to some of those scenes that people might have a problem with. But if you have a problem with it, you can't deny that that score in the background is pretty dope. Matt, do you have any thoughts on that? Agreed. Hey, now it's a fact. <laughs> Um, and my kind of like last but why though for the prequel trilogy, 
Um, for better or worse, the prequel trilogy just gives us more Star Wars, and I'm never going to be mad at more Star Wars. So because of like the prequel trilogy, we get uh, the Clone Wars animated series, both the 2003 one and obviously the canon 2008 series, which are which is like one of the best animated series of all time, I think. Um, I think the 2003 version of the Clone Wars in like the Samurai Jack kind of style is severely underrated. And if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Um, and that spawns off of basically George Lucas just leaving a lot of plot holes that no one really had answers to. So they kind of went back and did this. So for better or worse of like the Attack of the Clones into the Revenge of the Sith, we still get really great, you know, a seven series, a seven season series of the clone, the 2008 Clone War series, which I know Kate, myself and Matt all love very dearly. Yeah, and I think too, like, I'm kind of realizing that retcon is Star Wars's best friend for more content. You <laughs> are completely right because that, like, the whole reason I one, I mean, obviously, other than money, like Disney wants their money, but I think one of the biggest reasons why we also get a, a sequel trilogy is that fans who hated the prequels want a, want a better finish to their trilogy of Star Wars, and yeah. you know. If it's bad, like, people wanted enough because they hated the prequel trilogy. But guess what? Your hate got us another trilogy, <laughs> regardless if you like the movies or not. Um, another thing we get that I'm a personal big fan of is more novelizations and more comics. You know, specifically, not to, like, go through an exhaustive list, but, you know, Darth Disciple with Asaz Ventress. Uh, Darth Plagueis, which is a story about, a non-canon story now about, uh, Palpatine's master and himself, Darth Plagueis, and how like they kind of set up everything that happened in the Phantom Menace and the subsequent movies in the prequel trilogy, and Ahsoka, which is kind of like kind of a reach, I think. But I mean, we only get Ahsoka that novel because of the Clone Wars, which happens because of the prequels. So I'm gonna throw that in there. In there. I feel like you put that just because Asajj and Ahsoka are my two favorite characters in like the history of like almost anything. Yeah, and they're just really good books <laughs> that I really enjoy, too. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of comics, but I just wanted to stick with some of the stuff that's, like, more or less co- uh, more or less canon. Um, and we also get really great games based on, not based on specifically, but that has the prequel stuff in it. So Battlefront, the early 2000s Battlefront, not this newest Battlefront. Uh, the storyline in that goes through the prequel trilogy. Uh, Republic Commando, which is a first-person shooter that takes you that puts you in the shoes of a commando unit during the clone wars and i know matt was not happy with this one but star (laughs) wars episode one racer i enjoyed that game on the 64 i loved it i thought it was great it was great for that one race and then it was too long (laughs) hey hey matt now we're we're pod racing now (laughs) in that game (laughs) um so yeah regardless of like if you hate, hated it it gave you more Star Wars and you can't be mad at more Star Wars I don't think at least not yet um, I think as long as we are as, as, as to kind of like wrap up um, as long as you're aware of the faults of these movies you can still say that you enjoy them I think blatant, like blatant just love for them I think is a big big stretch like you have to admit that there are things wrong with the series that you love, um, 
and then hope they're improved, which I think they are improved in the sequel trilogy. I think a lot of things that people didn't like in the prequel trilogy are fixed in this new sequel trilogy. Things like character, you know, writing, lines, practical effects mixed with their CGI, things like that. Um, yeah, I don't want to ramble too much because our listeners here for a while, but that's just kind of how I feel. I like the movies. I'll rewatch them every year. I don't care. As long as you're giving me Star Wars movies, I'm going to rewatch this. And I take it just as important as anything else in the series because it's there. It's canon. You can't, you can't denounce it. It's, it's a thing. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm kind of in the same place at the beginning of the episode where I am at the end of this episode. Like, I've had, I still don't like them as a whole for a lot of reasons, but I appreciate what they did. And I think for me, like, that ability to say, I'm not a huge, like, I'm not a huge fan of the prequels, but I can appreciate everything that came out of them. I think that's that's something that also needs to come from the side of the aisle that's like, burn, prequels, burn. You also have to say, like, you can say these things have terrible writing, these things have, you know, uh, you know, issues with um, showing abuse and cringy-ass lines and love stories. But at the end of the day, you still have to be able to say, like, this gave us some really great things to this universe that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, and I was actually really surprised that Padme doesn't have her own book. Like, what the hell? So, yeah, somebody go write that now. When you die like that, you don't deserve your own book. <laughs> Um, after talking about the uh, prequel trilogy, I still have no difference. I'm indifferent, I guess, at all. I think they're cool to watch if I see one. If they're if I don't ever see them again, I think I'll be okay as well. <laughs> I don't really have. I could see the, some of the problems they had, but besides the Phantom Menace, I don't think the other two are really that bad of movies. Especially for, like I said, as much hate as apparently they do take. Which I still think is just more of a fan-based problem than an actual movie, per se, problem. Yeah, I, I actually really agree with that comment. Yeah, I do. I do, too. Stop, like, gatekeeping hate for Star Wars. Like, the prequel trilogy is, like, you know, to judge if you're a Star Wars fan or not. Like, yeah. if people like him, they like him. If they, people hate him, they hate him. But, like, Cause I will like you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be, like... You shouldn't have to preface the fact that you like Attack of the Clones over the other two movies. Yeah, <laughs> you know no, I mean? you're right. Like, <laughs> I shouldn't. Like, and I, I, we just, like, we have a shirt for it, too, up on our T public and stuff. It's like, there are only two rules in fandom, and it's that you love things and you're not a dick. That's it. And I think a lot of the times, like, I, it is a form of gatekeeping within the Star Wars fandom to say, oh, well, you like the prequels, so you're not a fan. And I actually think that that was a very like ageist gatekeeping thing where, where a lot of like the old like the like the old or closer to original star wars fans were like they were meet with like with me and pokemon stop touching my things and so then that turned into this large thing that then evolved into this big decisive battle between the prequels and the original trilogy when it's like they're all there just love them like them and don't make them a prerequisite to either letting somebody in the fandom or letting them not in the fandom like that's not cool yeah, I agree. Like, you can't, as someone who likes them, I can't, 
argue that there are bad, cringy lines. And if you hate the prequel trilogy, you can't deny that the Duel of Fates is a great score. Exactly. You can't deny that that whole fight scene is amazing. Like, there's things that you have to admit that you like about this trilogy as a whole. Um, and just not being so angry about it. Like, it'll be okay. We have a new trilogy that's much better than basically anything we've gotten so far. So... <laughs> Just relax, guys. It'll Unless be okay. Your favorite one, and you are a diehard Phantom Menace fan. I, I don't, I can't see it either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, you can cut this out, but our poll between was like forty-something votes, and still Phantom Menace was zero. Actually, in the no, favorite one. We shouldn't cut that out. That is actually really interesting. So Adrian put a poll up asking for your favorite Star Wars, your favorite prequels movie. Zero people voted for the Phantom Menace. Yeah, it was so in the fifties have... the last time I saw it, and it was at zero. Yeah, it's... oh, we have out of forty-two votes, two percent for the Phantom Menace, twenty-four percent for Attack of the Clones. No, that's the other 67% one. Sixty-seven percent for Revenge of the Sith. Is that the uh, one you like or dislike? Just that one that you enjoy. Oh, okay, and what was the Phantom Menace then? Two percent. Oh, two percent. So it got a vote. Yeah, and then for what prequel movie do you dislike? Twenty-four uh, percent. For the Phantom Menace, thirty-four percent for Attack of the Clones, twenty-one percent for Revenge of the Sith, and twenty-one percent for it as, as a whole trilogy out of twenty-nine votes. Which is actually more of an interesting number than the actual other poll. The fact that yeah. not liking is so dispersed upon, but obviously we know when it comes to liking, we do not like the Phantom Menace, but yet we do not apparently like it or hate it the worse than the other movies. Yeah. Which is yeah, I mean, for my own personal vote, I went Phantom Menace for dislike, and then Revenge of the Sith for enjoy the most. So yeah, that I, shows you where I'm at. I went Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Cool. Well, that's all I got. <laughs> Stay tuned for the original trilogy, which will probably be a lot less decisive. To unless you're talking about the word is divisive. divisive, guys. Both of you keep saying decisive. I have not said anything. No, you said decisive I, in the beginning. When? When we first said it, when you said that you said uh, when you first brought up the fact that it's the fandom that's decisive, not the movies. I thought I, I said divisive. No, everybody keeps. First saying of all, decisive. I'm sick, so leave me alone. <laughs> You're supposed to be nice to me. <laughs> but yeah, um, okay. So as always, you can find us at but why though PC on Instagram, Twitter. And on Facebook.com slash ButWhyThoughPC. And remember, send us your questions for us. They can be anything. They can be pop culture related. They could be, hey, why did you name your dog this? How many? Do you like cats or dogs? Matt, is your hair real? Anything. Just ask us questions. You did can you question my hair? I did. I have beautiful hair. Is it real? It is the most gorgeous, luxurious hair out of all of us. <laughs> As always... You can find me at Oh My Myth Randier on Instagram and Twitter. Adrian. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z 93. If you had any problems with any of my love for the prequels and you want to talk about it on Twitter, like our good friend Tim, who's been a guest on our show before, did not like that I said that the prequels are better than Batman v Superman. So this is a conversation <laughs> we're going to have to have over Twitter. So let me know. I think he's just doing that on purpose. He wants to warm himself up by that garbage fire. Yes. <laughs> and Matt, where can they find you? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at datm18, D-A-T-T-M-1-8. And bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah.